0: Shidding and farden, man. It's part of love. Yeah, it is. You accept one shidding and farden, you've you
1: found a winner. Yeah. Or
0: rather, one that can accept your shidding and farden.
1: Right. Oh, man. You know, IBS is a classic game of be careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. Because one minute you'll be wishing, I wish I could just take a shit, and then the next minute you'll be like, oh, I want no moss, no moss, <laughs> no moss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Throw in the towel, no moss.
1: Yeah, it's it's early morning hours. We've been hitting the extremes lately. Just like IBS uh, had a late night episode last night, early morning episode this morning. Tom's neighbor just rung a gong. For 10 a.m.,
0: the, man, for the victims of SARS-CoV-2-19, the, SARS-CoV-2 victim. 19.
1: <laughs> the uh, novel coronavirus. As promised, I said we would have a whole episode about Honoré de Balzac, so let's get right into it.
0: Let's get right into Honoré de Balzac. <laughs> One question I have, though, about the novel coronavirus before we go any further. At what juncture does a novel virus stop being novel? <laughs> like At this point, like I feel like it's lost its novel
1: status um we're we're well acquainted at the point it tries to write its second (laughs)
0: yeah
1: yeah. well at what point does it stop being a novel the the sophomore effort is always the hardest that's what they say your second book is always your hardest you had your
0: whole life to write your first one and now you have Mm -hmm. 18 months to write your second
1: (laughs) (laughs) well this thing is not wasting any time because like what you were telling me something last night about like the reason the PRC tests, like, don't pick up Omicron is... It doubles too quick. Like, within two or three days. So by the time you
0: get your PCR results back, like, you could already, like, have been infected or you might have just missed the window.
1: <laughs> Did I say PRC? People's Republic of China? Yeah, really? Oh, dude, that's pretty suspicious. People's Republic of China. People, know, bro. But it's... well. Are you an agent in
0: Beijing? Dude, I wish. It is, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it is pretty hilarious they skipped G in the naming of the variants
1: <laughs> because of the implications of that. Yeah, you sent me that. I was like, yeah, man, that's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand why they wouldn't want to do that. It's like if Biden, like, could you imagine, like, if Biden was a Greek letter or whatever to like i imagine like the the who the who wouldn't want to call this strain <laughs> pete townsend's band. <laughs> <laughs> the who don't i don't want to
0: call this <laughs> the biden variant <laughs> <laughs> yet because of the implication
1: right oh shit man <sighs> yeah um so i was reading this book <laughs> Everyone should have to read this book. If you're in, like, the media, everyone should have to read this book by Balzac. It's called Lost Illusions. Lost Illusions by Balzac. By Balzac. Um, It's about a young provincial who moves... Not dissimilar to ourselves. Not dissimilar to ourselves. Who gets in with, like, a libertine aristocrat in his small rural town in France. What does that sound like? And she, she... like, promises him, like, um, like he's the best poet ever. Like, he's very good-looking and handsome. Everyone's always talking about how beautiful he is. He's like a Greek Adonis. Yeah. And everyone's, like, talking about how beautiful he is, and he's, like, going to be a great poet. But he's, he's like, lowborn. His father was just a chemist, unfortunately. But he does have some claim to an arist- aristocratic title on his mother's side. So the, the libertine aristocratic woman promises him, like, L- move to Paris with me. We will get you a title, and you'll become a great poet. And so they moved to Paris together, and she's like twenty years older than uh. he is. I forgot that part too. <laughs> <laughs> and so they moved to Paris, and like when they get there, she realizes, like, oh, I don't really want to hang out with this guy. Like he's, you know, he's a a backwards rube, uh, a vulgarian, coal smudged. Yeah, he's <laughs> cramping my style. <laughs> He votes for Joe Manchin and shit. <laughs> <She
0: doesn't- laughs> oh, he votes against his own <laughs> interests. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. So like they. So she kind of like starts distancing herself from her. She starts distancing herself from him, and he, meanwhile, kind of starts distancing himself from her because he's like noticing all the hot babes in Paris. Because like in his small rural town, like. You know, you any So they're kind of silently
0: growing apart from each other. Yes. One because she finds him vulgar and two because he's noticing there's some good-looking trim in pair. There is. Like it's like every <laughs>
1: small-town guy knows. Like it's it's what you always tell your buddies too. Yeah. Like man, you wouldn't believe. I've been living in Austin for one year now. I'll get laid all the time. Your friends are like, "No, you're yeah, not." Yeah, well, I'm sure you are, buddy. <laughs> no, really, man. It's like a buffet.
0: <laughs> right. Every Eastern Kentucky guy goes through that. Man, I don't know what it is, but But
1: Luxton has the hottest chicks. (laughs) And it's like... I literally heard that when I first moved to Whitesburg. People were like, no, dude. No, dude. Like you can go to new york city you can go to miami la but lexington kentucky has the finest bitches and i'll be like it's like (laughs) how many motherfuckers have
0: been to miami and la and did the survey of this
1: yeah Uh, miami dude lexington lexington
0: yeah the the juggernauts a good-looking pussy miami florida los angeles california and of course lexington kentucky
1: like, yeah, I'm not going to deny, like, there's some good-looking people in Lexington, but like, come on. Well,
0: I mean, well, that's not even my point. My point is just like,
1: you know, like, uh... There's also just more people in Miami and LA. Right, like, exactly. What, what is there. the argument? The, the per capita hotness is, is more, greater in like. My than? hunch is
0: there's nothing scientific about the approach here.
1: <laughs> but it's just anecdotal. I think what it is, is like, if you're from a small town...
0: And you're used to seeing like the same 10 or 15, I mean, it cuts both ways. Let's not be misogynistic about it, but it's like, no, yeah, yeah. you're used I to know. seeing the same 10 or 15 people. You're like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You,
1: it's the concentration. It's like, cause like when I remember first going to a party at Texas Tech, nah. like after high school, when I moved to Lubbock and it's like the concentration of, of hot people, right. you know, it's not just like, you, you don't just see a random one here and there. But that's a that's a very bold claim and a very funny statement to make. Yeah. Frankfort, Kentucky, man, got the finest fucking uh, body. You could you could you could travel the whole world
0: thirty times over, but you'll never find better looking pussy than in Fayetteville,
1: West Virginia.
0: <laughs> Interesting.
1: Yeah, like all right. So they moved to, and there's there's a wild card here. I should say. It's, this, this 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 book is very complex. It's like 700 pages long. As we talked about on the last episode, or the... I don't know what order these episodes will be coming out, but regardless, Balzac's writing style, in addition to having the greatest name of all time, his writing style was he would... Um, or his writing method, his process... He would like masturbate, but never come. Like he would always work himself up right before coming, and he thought that that was like the sub the sublime, st- sublime state to like write in. Like that that put him yeah, in the kind of the literary version of like a a uh, cow boxer
0: won't have sex before big five. Yeah,
1: like, like, like raging bull. Yeah, just right, to right, work right. up
0: all that anger and right. frustration to take out on
1: works it up and then pours cold water on it. We've
0: not talked about the homoerotic dimensions of that, but that's for another time, <laughs> dude. That is interesting. Like, yeah. I'm not. Gonna, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna waste my seed on a common harlot. I'm gonna waste it on Ray Oliveira, the middleweight champion. I'm gonna blow my load on on Oscar De La Hoya <laughs> this Saturday night. <laughs>
1: Yeah this Saturday night. He's got the biggest blue balls this side of the Mississippi.
0: <laughs> Tune in live Caesars Las Vegas Nevada. <laughs>
1: these two heavyweights. And you know like in <laughs> these the, two
0: heavy, these two heavyweights haven't came in 14 <laughs> days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, this Saturday night! The, gra- the graphic <laughs> card for the preview is like instead of a wrecking ball hitting a brick it's <laughs> just a blue ball, <laughs> yeah, and it's not
0: like instead of like hitting somebody in blood flying off, it's just that you hit him with <laughs> like a big nut They just blow a big load. And
1: they're <laughs> this Saturday night, this Saturday night. <laughs> um. Okay, so there's a wild card here. Like the reason they moved to. Paris in the first place it's not the reason but there's this um there was this baron who moved to their small town <laughs> there's always a baron. there's always a baron <laughs> Bar- barons historically love small towns they do they, they love they
0: like, they like the opportunity for exploitation they
1: like to be a big fish in a small town <laughs> yeah. so this baron moves to town this baron was napoleon's daughter's tutor and so he's like So there were like clout sharks even in these days. Like Oh yes. Bro, I hate to, oh, it gets so much more Bro, similar. I was Napoleon's <laughs> pool guy. In Paris, you would not believe us. This guy's name is
0: Baron Du Chatelet. You wouldn't believe what he's like in real life.
1: <laughs> he moves Nice guy. He moves <laughs> yeah. He moves to this town and he like notices the like, he has his eye on the aristocratic libertine, and he notices this, like, young upstart who's his rival, and he's, yeah. like, determined to pry them apart. And so, like, he starts all these rumors in town, and people um, that, like, the the old aristocratic libertine and the young upstart are fucking, and then and so it becomes a scandal in town. Sort of like topics. It's like a topics thing. Like, everybody's okay. talking about it. Because, like, she's from, you know, it's it's a scandal because, like, she's from the upper class, and he's, he's like, a middle... He's the son of a chemist. Okay. And so, um, specifically, this one guy starts spreading rumors that they're fucking. And so, the... Wait, the, the spreaders of the baron and her are fucking? That the aristocratic lady and the young Adonis poet are fucking. Okay. Um, and so... She catches wind that this guy's spreading rumors, and she makes her husband because she's married. By the way, question,
0: what question? Question: The young
1: Adonis poet <laughs> is he like spreading this himself, or the Baron spreading? It? The Baron is spreading it. That that okay? Right. The young Adonis poet is c- totally oblivious to all this. Like he's, okay. co- I mean, like I mean, he's he's not oblivious. He knows he's going. You're probably going to
0: tell me this, but does he get implicated in the rumor spreading?
1: Does she confront him and say, "Why are you spreading rumors that we're making love?" That we are making love. <laughs> she does not actually. <laughs> she does not put it together that the Baron is the one spreading all these rumors. Okay, um, so she's also married. I forgot to say that. Yeah, her husband's like thirty years older than her. Um, okay, his, so here in the pic, I don't mean to quit interrupting. <laughs> no, keep it no off straight. It, I'm telling you, it's complex. You got like the sixty eight
0: year old like old cadre that's the husband. Mm-hmm. She's probably like forty five. She's
1: like thirty nine, borderline p- pushing sugar-ish. forty. Yes, yeah. And then you've he's, got the young. He's like twenty one. Yeah. And then the Baron is, like, 35. He's you know, the weird thing
0: about being into older women is, as you age is, like, the goalposts shift. hmm You know what I mean? And it's like, you're more or less the same age of, like, you know, the
1: <laughs> MILFs you used to
0: jack off to. You know what I mean? That's a weird experience.
1: What, the, what, is, what about that, like, dazed and confused quote, but it's in reverse? Like, that's the thing I like about these... Uh, retirees man (laughs) they keep getting older I'm (laughs) staying the same age (laughs) yeah I'm staying the same age baby (laughs) so she catches wind of the rumors and she makes her husband duel this guy cause like that's how you settled scores back then like yeah for everybody that
0: talks about modernity having like this toxic masculinity and all this shit consider that 300 years ago a minor <laughs> affront resulted in a pistol duel <laughs> a pistol duel. so like, i don't yeah. really want to hear about all that shit like right. we have, we've come a long
1: way <laughs> yeah um barry linden was talking you telling you about last night there's a lot of duels in that movie like there's just that's just how they settled scores back then so anyways there's a duel the 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 woman the madame um, her name is Madame de Bargeton I don't know how you uh, pronounce she's it She's the libertine Yeah whatever. she. She um, Her Husband Wounds the guy Who's been talking shit He fucking Blah blah, blah. But not mortally Blah 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 Not mortally nah, Bad I just, mistake bro Just like through the neck If you're gonna Pull a gun on a man Yeah you Better you, make sure be, You finish yeah. the job If you came to Bangkok Or <laughs> Yeah don't
0: come to Bangkok <laughs> Unless you're playing the bang. Um Uh he might be okay because the guy's a poet, but in an, if the if guy was even like a, I don't know, even just some
1: sort of commoner, some plebe, he'd been in trouble. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But, you know. So, like, this happens, and it, you know, like, there's all these rumors spreading. Her husband just, like blah blah got this dude like the opera out yeah yeah yeah, you got non non non-fatally in the neck right and um and so she's like all right i gotta get the fuck out of town like we've been talking about moving to paris but your your career will take off in paris so then they moved to paris that's all that's all the backstory of why they moved to paris so then that's the whole first part of the book small town france second part of the book is they moved to paris and um like I was reading this book and I was like, okay, all right, like this, I like this story. I like where this is going, and then it was like the sudden realization that this book is about not only just me, but also my line of work, and the industry and world that I have found myself in in my mid thirties. It's and by, about podcasting. It's about podcasting. <laughs> Man, that
0: balzac like had some vision <laughs>
1: it's literally about podcasting it's it's fucking hilarious so they move to paris and they start they start growing apart like i said she's like i don't want to be you know with this upstart he dresses bad he's like he doesn't really understand the norms of high society in paris and the upstart's like i mean this a lot of you know, finer young chicks around than I could fuck. Like, you know and so it's they like have
0: Jim Carrey at the M T V awards. Right. Was... Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: But they go to this opera and she treats him like shit because all of the high society Paris people are treating him like shit because he's like a, a pleb basically. He'll be like... Yeah basically I'm imagining
0: yeah. and I I'm curious about this. I've imagined this guy's kind of an Elvis Presley figure
1: yeah he's got, got a lot, lot of, of backwoods rough home yeah but
0: good looking
1: got talented a lo- guy and has a lot of class anxiety but their class anxiety is always under yes scoring everything definitely um and so he he has this really embarrassing experience and all these high society paris people basically laugh him out of the room and so he's like down on his luck, and he has to go live in, like, the seedy quarters of Paris. Like, he's now entered the underworld of Paris. And now he's, uh, you know, trading sex favors for <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there's no shame in it. Right, that's what he's doing. He's drinking um, a lot of non-potable water and eating a lot of, uh, I don't know, what, what did you eat back then um, in the 1820s? In early See, 19th this, century Paris, this takes place in the I should I forgot to say the setting. This is Restoration Bourbon era, so this is after Napoleon comes back from exile and try you know the Hundred Days or whatever and yeah. it fails, and they restore the Bourbons to power. So like the Royalists are in power, and like nobody the, ever talks about this. Nobody ever talks Out about this. Out during the
0: Jacobin era,
1: yeah, it's all fun and games. We're cutting heads off, da guess what? <laughs> Came back. <laughs> the chickens came back to they yeah. came home to roost. Um, so the royalists are in power, and the libs are like the opposition, and um, and but they have you know they have the press and everything yeah. too. And so Julian, who is the poet, that's his name. He just really buried the lead there. I should yeah, just I should have just <laughs>
0: The, our beautiful, but bo- <laughs> you're talking like Trump about his physique. Beautiful, our beautiful Adonis a beautiful poet. <laughs> He's our
1: beautiful boy, folks. He's the boy wonder.
0: Gorgeous body.
1: <laughs> Look at him,
0: folks. He has a gorgeous body. That's all
1: anybody talks about is how hot he is, like yeah. how beautiful he is. Like all the all the like middle aged men, they like put on their monocles and like check him out. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Your gods and locks,
0: how do you say? Chiseled V cut,
1: chiseled be nine inch penis.
0: Well, the Greek. Let's be clear, the Greek Adonis was lacking in that last part. Yeah. it's pretty fun. <laughs> or in Greek society, he was wailing down.
1: But maybe we don't know uh, in Greek. Yeah, maybe that was. Hung like a fucking mule. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. My God, this guy's got a five and a half inch
0: cock. <laughs> a, a meaty five and a half inch cock. <laughs> Three and a half inch girth man, is so meaty. People. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: it's just a matter of perspective.
1: Right? Yeah, man. Um. So he moves... So, like I said, he has to move out of his, like, um, like living quarters. Like, I've really buried a lot of the lead because, like, he got the money to move to Paris in the first place from his soon-to-be brother-in-law, who is a failed print shop owner. Like, a good 30 minutes of this book is about, like, how print shops worked in the early 19th century in France. Like you could reading this you could see how Marx and Engels were huge fans of Balzac. They were big fans of Balzac. Yeah. Like big guys. they were big Balzac guys. <laughs> <laughs> I guess now we are too. Yeah. Um because a lot of this book is about like the political economy of the printing press and like the printing industry in yeah. 19th century France. Yeah. And so like his buddy David like floats him this money Sue or Frank. I don't even... Whatever the fuck. It's a little diversion here, but
0: uh, have you ever met a gay boyfriend not named David? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of gay boyfriends named David. There really are. It's something I've noticed over the years. If you
1: want... If you're one of these parents that wants your kid to be gay, really bad, which I kind of do, so I I may name my kid David. (laughs) (laughs) Just just hit the odds, instantly go up by 20%. Like, think of how... Much I don't know. You'd probably be spared a lot of angst and anxiety if yeah. your kid was gay. Maybe. But maybe maybe they had I could hear someone listening to this, You oh my God consigning your son to a lifetime of bullying. <laughs> yeah. <and music."> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, his his gay friend David it's not even his gay friend. He marries Julian's sister, so it's his soon to brother David marries? Yeah, David marries Julian's sister. And oh. so his him and his sister like work hard to like give him this money so that he can move to Paris with the Libertine. Yeah. Madame. And so... Um, I got a question. I, thought, I always thought Madame was
0: sort of like a honorific in the underworld, like as somebody that runs a brothel. Right, right. But like it was... It's... I guess that's probably just colloquial like madame was probably just like a
1: I think it well I think at that time because there was also Or is it just the equivalent of like sir and ma'am? I think so because there's also madame was, was mademoiselle oh. yeah So it's like abbreviated <laughs> <Enchante>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's weird it's like this is aristocratic french society but it, it does mirror yeah. our society in many ways. Yeah. Um So he he's down and out in Paris. Has to like move into the seedy underground. One more, I swear I'll stop. Doing no, this. ask as many as you want. We got an hour, to eat up I swear <laughs> I'll stop doing this. much you get down the road with it.
0: But it's in the in a similar way. There's a lot of gay David boyfriends. There's also many poets that died or ended up broke and penniless in France. Oscar Wilde died broke and penniless right. in France. You're right, poet. Also a gay boyfriend, not named David. <laughs> Did Battle did he die young and feels It feels like most of those guys either died from alcoholism or some sort of, like, tertiary syphilis infection.
1: It is funny how America tried to have its own version of that with Edgar Allan Poe. Like, we tried to have, like, a dandy... C uh, D, like... Yeah. Yeah. Um like the gentleman poet that was like
0: consumed by his appetites. Mhm, right. Yeah. <laughs> Poe just a little too creepy for to really fit the Baudelaire
1: wild mode. Baudelaire. Baudelaire. He my man Baudelaire was a a long-time user of laudanum. So, yeah, that's
0: if you want to talk about the first opioid crisis. <laughs> let's talk about laudanum in early 19th century france
1: seriously maybe to bring it back maybe like opium dens like maybe we just need to dial it back a little bit let's start smoking it again smoking opium again yeah i've always wanted to i've always wanted to smoke opium Really? me and my buddy tim one time tried to find some in Hobbs when we were like 19 why don't y'all just stand out in front of the quickie mart and just say, hey, man, you know, we're going to score some opium. Yeah, we, like, called a lot of people. And then people were just like. People were like, hey, man, I, don't, I really don't think you guys should be doing that. Like, I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> we were like, yeah, fuck here, you. Here, as an alternative, why don't you just snort hydrocodone?
0: <laughs> <laughs> why, don't you, why don't y'all just snort hydrocodone like normal people? Right.
1: That's the thing, dude. When you're like nineteen or twenty, like you really do fancy yourself like kind of uh and if you've got like or even eighteen, like I remember in high school reading like Dharma Bums and stuff, like if you've got even a little bit awareness of like literature or like I've said it before I've
0: said it before, but you have uh Jack Kerouac and Hunter Thompson are on the hook for that mentality amongst young American men. That, you know. Have read two books and they happen to be like on the road. And, <laughs> and, uh, what was Hunter Thompson's The Rum Diaries or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or whatever?
1: I, you know, it's funny. I've read all of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you, were you, did you used to be that archetype? Yeah, I did. did you just want <clears throat> to do drugs and hang out on the road with the boys?
1: Definitely. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Um, so like uh our young upstart julian he's down and out in paris and he doesn't know what to do with himself like he's a good writer he's a good poet he's got a book of uh, sonnets <laughs> sonnets <laughs> a little a little a little too
0: anglo for me but okay. well
1: that's the funny thing it's like that's that's part of it like well put a stick a pin in that so he's got a book of sonnets and he's got like this historical novel he's written about like Charles, the N- an archer of Charles the Ninth, uh, and um, and he's like hanging out like in all the places where he sees writers hanging out with, and he gets in with this like group coffee shops, coffee shops, hipster coffee, co- shop. hipster coffee hipster shops, coffee shops uh, cafes, uh, and he like gets in with this group of like young intellectuals. Like it's kind of I, I don't know if this is in the Paris did they call that a salon? <laughs> it was a salon. He uh, hung out around. The salon, Monet, yeah. Um, yeah, and he like gets in with this group of young intellectuals who like mostly. Balzac was weird because he was kind of um, he believed in like an enlightened despot. He was kind of like Voltaire. He believed in like a absolutely like a Stalinist maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I guess so, <laughs> but like he wasn't a liberal, not in this like this sense. I don't think he supported Napoleon. Right. <clears throat> um, but uh. He just thought there was going to be a principled strong man come yeah. along at some point and yeah, 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 sort this all out. So he like paints these characters sympathetically, which is interesting because he doesn't agree with their politics. But it's like a group of young intellectuals who are like scientist. One of them's a scientist. One of them's a painter. One of them's a, a writer and. And uh, they take him in under their wings, and they're like, oh, young Julian, he's so hot. Like, he needs our help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, so they're, like, you know, trying to give him advice in life. Like, how to, you know, like, if you want to get published, this is what you got to do. You got to, you know, do this, that, and the other. At the same time, though, he starts hanging around this specific coffee shop, and he meets this guy named Luste. This, uh, I forget his first name, Emile or something like that? Oh, Etienne. Etienne. Et- Etienne, Etienne Luster. Oh. And this guy's a journalist. Oh, He's right. a journalist, <laughs> oh. and might as well write "spy" on his passport. <laughs> yeah, like he, and like it's funny because like the group of young intellectuals, like they're kind of like the young Hegelians. I, I even sort of wonder if that's what he was kind of aiming at. They yeah. are kind of like that. The group of young Hegelians, like they, they like look down on journalism because it's like. It's like this world where nobody believes anything that they write or say. Yeah. That it's all a game of who can denounce who and who can support who when they need it. And it's all like this is podcast. It all takes place in this world where it, it's basically Twitter. Yeah. It's like what he's outlining is the 19th century version. French ver- Restor- bourbon restoration era bur- version of Twitter. Yeah. So like all these journalists and writers hang out at these bookshops and publishing houses and they all secretly fucking hate each other. Yeah. And they're all writing Articles denouncing each other's books in the press, and everyone knows who wrote what article. But it's actually good because the denouncements actually give them press for their books. Like, uh, like you actually want someone to negatively it's review actual, your book It's,
0: it's kind of like getting like a, like we'll talk about it probably at some point, but like the Bet Midler West Virginia. It's like. By quote tweeting somebody, trying to dunk yeah. on them, so many times you actually get a perverse amount of press for them.
1: Exactly, it it, it actually raises your profile. Probably like
0: everybody, I mean, present company included, everybody denouncing J D Vance probably made him a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, you know? dude.
1: yeah. I mean, uh, like really, know. if you really want to slot somebody, you have to ignore them. That's really it. You have to ignore them. But that's not the. But th- that's the thing. Like in this world, like. Nobody wants to ignore anybody because it's good money for everyone. Like, there's money to be made. So they're kind of all in on it.
0: It's like the price-fixing episode of King of the Hill, where like all the propane yes. cartel gets together and says, let's <laughs> just all jack our prices
1: up. It is. Everyone's pretty much in on it. But everyone has their own egos and stuff. Like, they think their writing is the best. And there's also factions, that like the political factions, because, like, at this time, the newspapers were owned. Like... Th- Weirdly enough, like, we see today's modern era of, like, media conglomerates owned by, like, political factions as, like, deviation. But, like, actually, that's the norm. For most of the pre- the history of the press in the Western world, <clears throat> the press was owned by political factions. So there would be liberal newspapers and royalist newspapers. Yeah. Like, that whole objective media thing was just a blip in the middle of the 20th century. You know what I'm saying? Like, for the most part, the press was owned by these, like, political factions.
0: And it's always been that way, let's be clear.
1: Right, right. And so, like, uh, Julian, actually, I think his name might be Lucian, now that I think about it. It is Lucian. I fucked up, dude. (laughs) Julian.
0: Okay, just <laughs> editor's note. Julian is not a character in this. His name's Lucian. Let's just go back to calling him to the beautiful young Adonis poet.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a close reader. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever you know. So he he when he matriculates into this world, when he meets Etienne Lousteau, like his his young Hegelian friends are telling him, like do not get into the world journalism my friend it is dirty it's like it's just below you you yeah. know like you you don't need it like you're you're going to find out that you sell out all of your virtues and principles and beliefs and values if you get into this yeah and he's like but I gotta eat. I gotta. I gotta eat. Like it's easy money. And they're like, no. "I'm tired of rummaging through the trash." Right for, yeah. for like blackened bread softened with water. Yeah, which is what they would eat sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I've had the bubonic plague four times, man. <laughs> Let me in the game. Okay. And his friends are like, "No, like we'll, we'll we'll support you." His young Hegelian friends. They're like, "No, we'll support you. Like we will even go out and work harder, and give you our money." So that you can c- continue being a writer and a poet. We'll support you. Because the most important thing in life is friendship. And he's like. Ah. Yeah. Gives him the Larry David tip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he he's like, well, maybe I'll just try it out. And so he starts hanging out with the journalism, the journalist crowd and going to like, the theaters. Because <clears throat> like, the theaters is where they all like. Sort of like go and congregate Because like it was a sort of similar principle Back then as podcasting It's like if you wanted your show to be a hit You buy out all the tickets Like a liberal newspaper would buy out All the tickets in the audience For the theater and pack it With like supporters of Yeah 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 supporters of that
0: We tried that we just couldn't find any (laughs) plants (laughs) <laughs> we bought all the tickets at their shows be. and nobody came. None of them all
1: <laughs> snubbed us. This podcast is the most successful podcast in the south right now, but no one's at their shows. The ticket yeah. sales are amazing. Interesting. So they like yeah, they you know <laughs> things happen, you know. <laughs> He goes to the theater and it's kind of supposed to be an inversion of his earlier experience at the opera when he got laughed at by the aristocrats. Now he's at the theater among like the plebs and the bohemians and the intellectuals, and and like they, um, like he, he's like he's like taken in by how like cutthroat and like fast paced this world is. Like it's like a David Mamet. Movie. He kind of likes it though. He's kind of intoxicated yeah. by it. Yeah, he's intoxicated by it, and especially because of this like hot busty, bosomy young actress named Coralie, like, wants to suck his dick. Like, she keeps... She's, like, telling everybody how, how hot he is and how much she wants to suck his dick. And, like, she's got a suitor. Like, this is
0: this is the wages of uh,
1: Balzac's edging. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, it was the best mind
0: frame to work in, he was also horny as a jackrabbit.
1: He really does. But, it's like, he really, like, stresses so, how... Oh, man, this is great, but... <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, you know, like let's have suck his dick? Yeah. <laughs> like he really stresses how much she wants to fuck him, and um, but like the the thing is, her name is Coralie, and Lousteau has his own like actress, uh, mistress named Florine, and both Coralie and Florine have like daddies, sugar daddies, <sighs> like these men who are in their sixties who are like capitalists basically like they're not in the aristocracy either because this is like early capitalism you know like they're they're still like grubby merchants they're rich as fuck but they don't have like the same acceptance into the world of the aristocracy and so they're just like sugar daddies and they dote on their like young Ka- actress- basically nft guys pretty much yeah like <laughs> right. the nft big dogs the guys that like yeah right guys say and so, like he's taken in, he's taken in by this world, and just like, like I said, how like fast paced and sort of cutthroat and like witty everyone is, and yeah. like cutting and and everything. Um, and so he starts like writing articles for the newspapers. It's like at first, it's like little local color pieces, like like just things that's going on in his neighborhood. Like I don't know, having a podcast about your town, <laughs>
0: like Oh Manhattan's uh, article in the Mountain Eagle. It's just like, yeah, well, yes. I'm- Community Correspondents. De- Delmer's got cancer now. <laughs> uh, I hate to hear that, but <laughs> exactly. Yellow Jackets top the Cavaliers
1: <laughs> twenty-one seventeen last night. So like he starts writing those, and then his like friends in the newspapers are like, "Nah, all right, you've worked your way up. We'll give you the. We'll let you in with the big dogs now. You can run with the big dogs now." What you're gonna do?
0: Did they put him in the middle of a pile, push him around? Go, who,
1: who, 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 who who must protect his house? Who, who, who who's a-ruh. the big dog now? A-ruh, 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 a-ruh. So they like they're telling him like um all right so you can run with the big dogs now um and but what your first job is? I, I really hope I read this later
0: and the Balzac exact translate from the French is you can run
1: with the big dogs now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh so he they they tell him like you can um yeah run with the big dogs now but if you're gonna run with us um meanwhile keep in mind his young Hegelian liberal radical friends are like they're 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 seeing them they're losing their their young lucian julian adonis like they're like they're losing him to the journalist crowd and they're sad about it um Because, like they said, it will still, you know, you'll sell your soul, basically. And so his journalist friends tell him, like, look, what you're going to have to do, you're going to write an article for us taking down this book by this guy named Nathan. And Lucian read Nathan's book and loved it. He thought it was a masterpiece. (laughs) Magnifique.
0: But I love Nathan's work. He is uh how do you say uh iconoclast, <laughs> he is uh brilliant. Uh,
1: Sublime. I
0: cannot take him down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Um and they're like, no, this is how you're going to do it. And the funniest fucking thing. And then
0: thing he says, <laughs> you want to be a big dog or not, pussy? Ho, ho.
1: It really is like the student training day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you, you like to get wet? <laughs> yeah. You like to get, I didn't know you like to get wet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're setting him up with a bulletproof vest and they're going to fucking shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> It's like um, so. They're like, "No, nah, this is what this is what you're gonna do." And like I said, like he was like, "No, but I love the book. I cannot write a critical review. I love the book, uh-huh. and it <laughs> is the best thing I've read in, in my life." <laughs> and they're like, "No, look, it's not hard. This is how you do it." And it's funny because like then Balzac goes into this like. Long description of how to take like the perfect takedown article, like how to take someone down, and he like goes it's through, like he'd thought about this a lot. Oh but. yeah, yeah, and he himself was probably was he a hater? You think definitely. Well, yeah. it's funny to think because like Mark's got his start in journalism yeah. in the, at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, well, not not this exact same time. Uh, maybe about ten years after. But, so was journalism always kind of looked
0: at as like? In the same way we would look at investment banking or pimping now,
1: yeah, I think so, <laughs> yeah. well you said I remember reading like Ambrose Bierce was like a a journalist, and everybody like he he himself was like really ashamed of that, yeah,
0: <laughs> like I apologize, yeah, like lawyers do that too,, or mm-hmm. it's like I apologize for that deficiency up front. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was a dishonorable profession, I feel like. it still is yeah. probably
0: <laughs> to some degree it still. is.
1: Um, It is funny to think about Yeah because like in the last five years It's become this Valorous profession Where like you know like Trump's attacking the press like, there's Yeah this,
0: it's, <laughs> just a, it's just an attack on the free press And really and truly it's like Translated through the lens of Balzac You might as well have been saying Trump's attacking uh, Pimping
1: <laughs> and, Right yeah. So like he goes through like how to take down Like if you like someone's work like the way that you like go through it and it's so fucking funny because he like you know he he's talking about how like um you you start out with uh, a brief review of the of the of the piece in question, and then you pick apart a few things here and there, and then you you carry one part of the argument further, and then you throw a little bit of bait to the audience and flatter your readers, like say like oh you're you're above this. I mean it's just like it's the exact same thing that we would do now as a podcast about like I, I was reading this right around the time that we read that dumbass. Uh, the other white um, oh, voters uh, or yeah, whatever the, the fuck other it white was. people. Right, right, right. It's like we did the like it's By like Woodcock Johnson. Well Woodcock Johnson. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a rubric, honestly. All it's right. like it's just like, yeah, you want to take down something, it's like it's you can just do it basically like your um flipping pancakes or something. You know, it's like a sort of mindless activity almost. Uh, yeah. Um so he does it. He writes the article and it's a huge success. People fucking love love it. They're like, "Fuck this Nathan guy. Like this, you know, like this is a great review. This is a great critical article." And there's all these hilarious like um asides in there about like how the great works are like will always be remembered. Like books will always be remembered, but like no one's ever going to remember an article. <laughs> like that's a, like that's a line in there. It's pretty fucking funny. Like
0: Well, oh, that's true. There's only like three articles I really remember. Right, right. You I- <laughs>
1: Yeah. But it's like but that's the thing like he he gets he gets caught into the allure of thinking that that's like fame and success and stardom. Right. That like he gets laudatory um Uh, praise for, like, these, like, little articles, like, taking people down. Um, And so, like, he even runs into Nathan later at the theater, and Nathan, like, shakes his hand, and he's like... You know, uh, thank you for raising attention to the book. Like, I'm, I'm gonna eat well now. Like, because you like a negative review is better for you than a positive review. Like, yeah. and the actresses know this too. Like, nobody wants a positive review because if you get a positive review, like, everyone just forgets about you and moves on. You're right, you're <laughs> right. I guess this is probably the genesis of like, there's no such thing as bad publicity. You're right. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. Um, but like, in this whole, uh, Process. He like starts to see sow the seeds of his own destruction. He's like he he. <laughs> That's the downshot to this business. Yes, he's like young and he's hot, and it causes all these like grizzled journalists like all this jealousy because he's like getting fucking theater pussy, yeah. and like they're getting fucking pissed. And Who
0: thought all you got to do is write a negative <laughs> review about a book, and you just drowning in <laughs> pussy all of a
1: sudden? The halcyon days. The halcyon days. <laughs> <laughs> Like and he's also like, um, because he's written all these reviews and and little think pieces about his hometown, like, or about Paris life. Like, he's also started to attract attention from the publishers, so he might get his sonnets published. And there's like a really funny aside that like nobody reads fucking poetry anymore.
0: <laughs> like, it's like which is funny to hear. So it's like even nobody was
1: reading poetry no. in 1820s. Yeah, like even back then, it, like everyone's like, no poetry, no one reads that. Like, yeah. Um, but so like. His star is rising, and he's like, I'm going to use my fame to take down those fucking aristocrats that made fun of me at the opera. And so he starts like turning the big guns on them. And, th- and so, and, um, but then word gets back to them that they're really heartbroken and sad about this. And he feels remorse. He's like, oh man, maybe I was, went too hard on them. And so they invite him to their parties, and they're like, no, we're going to give you your, your title. You're going to get to become a marquis or whatever the fuck account or something viscount whatever. A vis- yeah a viscount yeah. and um and so he's like oh okay but they're like but for you to do this you have to start writing for the royalist presses like you can no longer write for these liberal newspapers you have to start writing for the royalist presses and he's like uh, all, right, all right okay i'll do it and so he starts like getting back into the world of the aristocrats And it just provides further ammo for all the people that he's pissed off in the journalism world. Oh, boy. And so they, like, basically arrange it. Like, meanwhile, these aristocrats have no intention of giving him his actual title. They just want to humiliate him again because he humiliated them in the press. And so it's, like, it's all building up to this point where, like, he thinks he's gonna get the title... He thinks he's going to be accepted into the ranks of the aristocrats and the royalist press. But meanwhile, he has no, none of the liberal yeah. publishers are going to publish his books or articles anymore. Yeah. And so he's, and meanwhile, they also ruin his, his busty uh, actress, Coralie. They've ruined her. Like, they've like gone out and like slandered her name in the press as well as an actress and she can't get work anymore and so they're both down on, and out on their luck and they're fucked and that's where the second book ends and presumably i guess he has to go back to his hometown um like a thomas Wolfe deal you can never uh go home again except maybe he does go home again yeah i don't know i've not finished it yet but i'm just saying i was reading this book you know that there's that meme of the guy like you know he's like looking happy uh, and then he's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. He, he, his face drops, and he's like, oh, man. That's how I was reading this. I was like, yeah, this is a good book. Oh, man, this is about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, just like, yeah. This is about my line of work. <laughs> oh, oh.
0: Man, this is... Yeah, it's like just feeling, like, oddly prescient the whole time, and you're like, oh, like, that's why. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's, just, it's the same. It's just, it's such a funny thing. It's like... Nothing new under the sun. Like, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Like, it's like, it's just been the same shit for so long. Like yes, it is so funny, man. It's like,
0: humans are still prone to the same, like, petty squabbles of from a long time ago.
1: Yeah. You know. Like, there was a Twitter, basically, in the 1820s yeah. in France. And I'm sure even in America. maybe, And even America. in the future. Like, everybody's
0: like, oh, the metaverse and this, that, and the NFTs. It's like... Bro, have you not heard of uh, Confederate notes? Have you not heard of Twitter? (laughs) Uh, You talk about a metaverse, and it's like, we got it. It's called Twitter. We already have (laughs) it. Yeah, it's like, Mm -hmm. you can dress it up, and you can sell headsets and all this kind of stuff, but it's the same ideas. You know, it's like cryptocurrency. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, there's people that have been trying to subvert main currencies for a long time. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Well it's a pretty funny thing and, and and that's the thing it's um that's why it's called lost illusions it's like he has all these illusions about like how life in the countryside is versus the city and then he moves to the city and then he has all these illusions about how like literature and art work and and like what makes a great work of art and then he realizes that like it's all petty squabbling and like triangulation among egos and yeah. it's just like and he realizes that like there really is no great work of art it's all about like what people bestow upon it upon you know what it, yeah
0: or what they think about the person personally
1: or what they think about the person personally usually when i shit on
0: something it's not a value judgment on what i feel about it <laughs> it's like do i think this person i would like this person in real life yeah. or not you yeah. know what i mean yeah. or just jealousy
1: that is another I factor. Am
0: consumed with jealousy frequently because God's
1: given me so everybody so much and me so little. <laughs> <laughs> but I do really think I do think sort of talking about what we were talking about last night. I do genuinely think though that the gradual financialization like we I think we think that Art is this thing that's existed for thousands of years. And, of course, like, there's problems with it. It's been, you know, um, patronized by the rich and the wealthy, and they're the ones who commission a lot of paintings and visual arts and, and even highbrow literature and stuff like that. Maybe literature for a time had this sort well, it, of it, It's mass interesting, potential, though,
0: because book. art, it's like, what's the Jays or the Biggie line? It's either you got a... Uh, you can basically you can rap or you got a good jump shot. You know what I mean? It's like also like art while being patron, like you having to be a patron of the wealthy to actually make it. It's like also one of the sort of um ways to facilitate your upward mobility if you're from the underclasses yeah. traditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's good money in it, there's fame whatever, whatever.
1: But Well, it's um It's just this thing that, um, you know, just to kind of thread the needle through what we were saying last night. Eventually, because this is what I struggle with when I say, like, all literature now sucks. Because it mostly does. Because it is, it's not like, you go back and you read, like, Balzac or Dostoevsky or George Eliot and stuff. Like, this is... um, a lot of this was serialized in yeah. the newspapers and stuff, right? Yeah, like parts yeah. of this would come out like like a television show, right, basically. Yeah. Um, but still, like it had character development, had plot. It wasn't formulaic. Not that MFA writing is. Formula- MFA is actually probably the opposite. <laughs> I'm going <gonna, laughs> to read this week if Lucian becomes a big dog. <laughs> <laughs> Can he run with the big dogs? <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. But, um... It definitely seems like there has been a shift more towards, like, the aesthetic potential of literature in the last, like, 15, 20 years than a focus on uh, maybe themes or um, trying to dig into, uh, you know... The impossibility of human existence, how scary it is, how difficult friendship and relationships are. It seems more like we've sacrificed those things, which is what the greats used to write about, in favor of like flexing our nuts, just pretty sentences. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I like pretty mm-hmm. sentences. I'm a writer, and I like to write a sentence where I, I sit back and go, "Yeah, that was, good, that was good. That was good. That was good." But like, I, I guess.
0: But at well, at the cost of plot and whatever character right. development,
1: etc. Yeah, and I I don't want to offer any examples because I'm a pussy and I don't want to get any uh, piss anybody off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, but there really is. I mean, it's just like a lot of people that get published fiction wise, you know, are just like, you know, we're the best of their best at whatever prestigious MFA program and all that kind of stuff, and it's just not. I don't want to say something trite, like it's formulaic or whatever, but it's like you, you could tell MFA writing from, yeah. like, non-MFA writing, I feel like.
1: Well, dude, if you actually go back and, like, read the um, patient zero of this stuff, like Wallace Stegner, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's unreadable also,
0: to Also, we can't, un- you know, overlook the CIA ties here. Yeah. To the MFA
1: programs, right. too, you know. It's unreadable. Think, was it to me.
0: citations needed? Did a really good episode on. They those. did,
1: but so that's the thing. It's like when you sit here and you talk about how bad culture sucks now. It's like I really don't think it's crankery because at a certain point, either the the Nat states involvement in the creation of art, either that or the capitalization and like fa- financialization of the whole thing, we're eventually going to create a a, pro- uh, a situation where. These products, these cultural products, these art products are completely vapid and there's nothing yeah. really there. You know what I mean? Like, like you were saying last night, like the Marvel movies, like them just wanting a sort of return on investment and everything. It's like that was just the natural extension of like market logic in the realm of culture like that yeah. was going to happen eventually yeah it's a it's amazing that it didn't happen sooner it's amazing that it it seemed like there was a moment in the 80s where that almost did happen yeah where you started just churning out purely like blo- like mindless blockbusters that, that hadn't and there was a lot of that in the 80s and 90s i were i re-watched indiana jones uh raiders of ark and temple of doom this past week and it's just like there's nothing here. This is just fucking. It was
0: nothing new under the sun. It's the same thing as. And then what? I mean, what happens is, I heard John Carpenter talking about this. He was like, the reason they do this because the studios. The reason why there's all these reboots and like this sort of nostalgia craze is like, it's cheaper for the studios to reboot a proven entity that people can draw on or say you know it's the same thing with like it's not a risk right it's not a risk like oh we could drop a lot of money on this because we're going to make money on it but right. if you were to make like a yeah like a 40 million dollar like standalone crime story that's like not part of a franchise or anything else that's a much
1: bigger risk dude honestly you do four million at the box office all of a sudden you lost 30 something million on it. well and the crazy thing about this is like from a common sense perspective, you might look at this and be like, "These these studios make bajillions of dollars. Why wouldn't they be willing to take a risk every now and then?" And I'll tell you why: the rate of profit has been going down. Yeah, like that's got to be a part of it, right? Yeah, I would like, think so. I don't know. Yeah. I think that they're 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 looking at their outlays and predict you know predictions for the next ten twenty years and saying like, yeah. "How can we squeeze as much out of this situation before?" It all fucking... I wonder, like, I mean,
0: record labels, it kind of works in a
1: similar fashion. I mean, it used to
0: be the case, you take, like, a label like Sub Pop or something like that. And I use that because, uh, you know, like, we have a friend that was signed to Sub Pop and it was like... And and what he said to me once was, well, like, Father John Misty floats and Slater Kenny, like, float other people like him or whoever, you know? And it's like... The studios used to be like that, it feels like, but it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, like, new line cinemas or, right. you know, whoever else is, like, you know, sort of pumping out the, you know, ever, just everything. Right. Damn. And you get Marvel movies or you get A24, like, you know, indie darlings. Right. You know right. what I mean? And that's right.
1: like, and neither the Twain shall meet, really. Right. I don't know, man. Anyways, well, Balzac is... uh, You know, you can't... can't take that away, at least. The classics. You can go back and read the classics. The edging classics. (laughs) Edging classics. (laughs) The classics of edging. There was, like, an article I read about, like, other writers that kind of had a similar process and approach or something like that. Like, other writers, like, would... How the okay, here it is. It was on Slate. How the French novelist used masturbation to fuel his writing process. Um, so oh. this was
0: a technique that he honed, and like other people started doing it.
1: I guess, I guess so. Where gets around, yo, yo, yo. Balls that must one balls. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. What, what speed is he taking up? Or, yeah, well, well that, uh, yeah, Lawton, of, yeah, of a lot, course. A lot of but coffee, what else but he does <laughs> is he
0: beats it. Right to the point of climax and then
1: stops. They're killing it to, what you say, uh, edging? Edging. <laughs> A bit. Thomas Wolfe, one evening in 1930, as he was struggling to recapture the feverish spirit that had fueled his first novel, Look Homeward Angel, which no, I tried... by
0: time in my mind, I was thinking Tom Wolfe.
1: <laughs> Tom Wolfe, yeah. <laughs> I tried to read that book, by the way, Thomas Wolfe's Look Homeward Angel.
0: We read it in high school. Really? Uh, yeah.
1: My senior year of high school, we read it. I tried to read it. I couldn't really get into it. I went...
0: He's from like Asheville, I think. He's right,
1: like, North Carolina. Um, it's
0: like Appalachian authors thing.
1: Right, right, right. Th- he decided to give up on an uninspired hour of work and get undressed for bed. But standing naked at his hotel room window, Wolf found that his weariness had suddenly evaporated and that he was eager to write again. Returning to the table, he wrote until dawn with, he recalled, amazing speed, ease, and sureness. Looking back, Wolf tried to figure out what had prompted the sudden change and realized that, at the window, he had been unconsciously fondling his genitals. A habit from childhood that, while not exactly sexual, his, quote-unquote, penis remained limp and unaroused, he noted in a letter to his editor. Ha <laughs> Now, listen your- man i've had this riding block but you won't believe what's happened to me why is he riding it
0: dude i was just playing with my cock not like in a sexual way just a like sexually. you know kind of how like babies just like sleep with their hands over their nuts kind of like that a vestigial organ from childhood but as it turns out it cured my
1: rider's block so we're ready to go man It is so... How would you share that
0: with anybody?
1: (laughs) Oh, he he said that he told his editor that it fostered such a quote-unquote good male feeling, a good male feeling, (laughs) that it had stoked his creative energies. From then on, Wolf regularly used this method to inspire his writing sessions, dreamily exploring his male configurations until the sensuous elements in every domain of life became more immediate, real, and beautiful. Wolf wasn't the only novelist to stick his hand down his pants while working, and then it talks about, like... Flaubert renounced masturbation. Oh, in- I could
0: see Flaubert being a big jack-off Oh, guy.
1: definitely, definitely. When he was 22, but apparently the band didn't last long. Flaubert did the thing that we, we did when we went to church camp. I'm never going to masturbate again, I swear to God. And then like three days later, you, just fall you into blow the depression biggest load every- of your <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's, why, that's why
0: I think <laughs> I've discovered why we suffer from <laughs> depression and anxiety. Because every when we were younger, every time we'd jack off, which for a man is going to be a young man is going to be frequently, you know, right? It just resulted in a depression because we thought we'd failed God or something. You're right. Then I got to where I just didn't care
1: about that anymore. <laughs> um, while struggling with the novel, The Temptation of Saint Anthony, Flaubert wrote to a close friend. There are moments when my head bursts with the bloody pains I'm taking over this. Out of sheer frustration, I jerked off yesterday, feeling the same bleakness that drove me to masturbate at school when I sat in detention.
0: <laughs> he pocket-pulled. He pocket-pulled. pocket-pulled pocket detention. Bro, at least go to the bathroom.
1: I like it. I like how, um, A,
0: that Maybe there was- in France at that time, but you just kind of shit and threw it out the window.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like how there was detention in like 1830s France, but also I like how they use the term jerk off. Nah. Um, okay then there was Balzac whose has coffee binged Coffee binges were notorious um, there is, He he wrote in masturbation Oh wait D.H. Lawrence Okay D.H. Lawrence this makes total sense I read did you ever read D.H. L- Lawrence <laughs> I read Sons and Lovers when I was in uh, College And I liked it I, I I thought it was pretty good Wasn't D.H. Lawrence gay Maybe man I, I don't know anything about D.H. Lawrence um, I thought he was, um, yeah, I do know he died in New Mexico. He, he like moved to Taos at a certain point, which is interesting. Anyways, I don't want to speculate. Maybe I'm thinking of Ian e. Forrester. Ian e. Forrester was gay, right? A lot of those like British writers were all. <laughs> <laughs> That's a decent chance. <laughs> okay. I uh, wonder if like.
0: The women writers, like, particularly the famous, like, southern women writers. Like, what was, like, Eudora Welty, like, riding a Sibian machine to, like, fucking, <laughs> like, inspire her work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, just total closet freaks, but, like, sort of buttoned up and proper.
1: Maybe. Did you ever read Elizabeth Bishop, that poet? She got that poem, One Art. Dude, I, I love Elizabeth Bishop. I don't know. Um But, uh... I, fellow asthma sufferer. That's why I fuck with Elizabeth Bishop. Ch- me, Che, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bishop. Bishop. The bad... The bad ass. Can't, breathe, can't <laughs> breathe, girl. I lost my fucking article. Where'd my article go? Balzac masturbation. <laughs> oh, yeah, Balzac. Balzac agreed with balzac at least when it came to self gratification he wrote oh wait balzac didn't let himself go beyond the sweet spot because he thought that each orgasm depleted his creative energy dh lawrence he's kind of like a trump like with exercise (laughs) yeah he's got a finite amount he's got there's just a finite (laughs) amount of creative energy and if you jack off all the time that just dwindles dh lawrence wrote in masturbation there is nothing but loss there is no reciprocity there is merely the spending away of a certain force and no return The body remains, in a sense, a corpse. After the act of self-abuse, there is no change, only deadening. I don't know. I
0: don't know, man. It saved me a lot
1: of heartache on a number of occasions. I like this. Other writers took the exact opposite point of view. John Cheever, for instance, placed a high value on the salutary effects of erotic release. He thought that his constitution required at least two or three orgasms a week, and he believed that sexual stimulation improved his concentration and even his eyesight. With a stiff prick, I can read the small print in a prayer in prayer books, but with a limp prick, I can barely read newspaper
0: headlines. <laughs> <laughs> you know he said that in like a, an old time radio. With, right. a stiff, with a stiff prick, I can do anything. <laughs>
1: Go to the DMV, I can read the bottom line on the eyesight <laughs> chart. I got an like, optometrist right. with a stiff prick. Like, sir, why are you following your prick? <laughs> <laughs> Wanna be able to drive, you know? <laughs> Man
0: cheever was uh that but I mean that's about a healthy attitude. Yeah. Is, I mean, I don't know about the whole like, you know, going to the D M V with a stiff prick thing, but like two to three times a week is like that's like a good amount without like yeah, being a fiend, you know what I mean? I've yeah. been too fiendish in my
1: day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um no, I mean That def- <laughs> seems
0: like a very healthy mindedness about
1: Two or three times, definitely, yeah. Um The Belgian novelist Georges Simonon, I've always wanted to read his books, but I never have. He re- he read he wrote like a lot of like I think like crime fiction. He wrote clockers. He wrote clockers. <laughs> <laughs> He needed much more than two or three orgasms a week. His astonishing literary productivity he published more than 400 books in his career, was matched or even surpassed by his sexual appetite. Most people work every day and enjoy sex periodically, Patrick Marnham writes. Simonon had sex every day and every few months... enjoyed work periodically. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's that's about my mentality. He did,
1: yeah. He had sex every day and every few months indulged in a frenzied orgy of work. (laughs) When living in Paris, he frequently slept with four different women in the same day. He estimated that he, he bedded ten thousand women in his life. His second wife disagreed, putting the total closer to twelve hundred. Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> like wheelchair you know, the, the guys that like like swear they had an astronomically high number are always hilarious to me. Yeah. Like I like I think they parsed out Wilt Chamberlain's like famous claim he slept with twenty thousand women mm. and it rounded out to about because he died in his fifties or something like that it rounded right. out to about like five point three or so, I forget what it was but
1: Jesus man absolutely crazy um what about female artists earlier um, let's see George Sand used to slip out a sleeping lover's bed to write in the middle of the night but that is pretty tenuous and tame. Um, blah blah blah. Does it say anything about Eudora Welty? And does it say anything about Eudora Welty in in the (laughs) Simeon? Eudora Welty on the Howard Stern show. Like Flannery
0: Co-Connor just getting like railed out (laughs) by like eight dudes.
1: Oh man, that's an interesting thing, though. Like in this book, Lost Illusions, like there's a character based on. Either George Sand or George Eliot. Because, like, women writers back then... Took men's names. They had to take men's names. But, like, he talks about... I think he uses the word androgynous, or... I think that's the word he uses. Like, because they would dress like men, too. Right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is... Uh, I mean, George Eliot rocks uh, Middle March, I fucking love that book, man. Yeah, it's one of those that I've uh, bullshitted
0: my way through a number of conversations about. Loved it, man You know who was One of my favorite writers Was always James Salter Because he just He was the king of The short, horny novels
1: Yes He wrote short, horny novels I found out about James Salter through that dude Teju Cole, remember yeah, him? Yeah. I remember him. He he put like a a list out of like his favorite writers, and George Salter was at the top. And I was like, "Who the fuck is this?" Uh, yeah, I went back and read like three of his books, "Sport and the oh. Pastime." Ex- I mean, extremely horny books. All, All that is, but is good. One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a great writer. Yeah. Um, was it James Salter? Did I say George Salter? James Salter. Yeah. Um, damn, dude! Literary hour fucking goddamn true billy's little what else is
0: going? on? I feel like we should do a little news wrap up just because.
1: Yeah, I don't even know when this is coming out. This is this this if this comes out before the Patreon just know that we recorded the Patreon episode first
0: after dinner very late at night.
1: Right. So just chronologically just keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh I don't know when this is coming out, but let's just say for the sake of argument that this is coming out on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Thursday, or wait, that's, that's not
0: Christmas Eve. People be doing their own shit Christmas Eve. You know? Okay,
1: let's say for the sake of that, it'll come out tomorrow. So what's going on? Um, uh, so there's the mansion stuff. There's Bette Midler saying that sh- the jo- J- Joe Mansion's trying to turn America into West Virginia. Which, hey, I fucking love West Virginia. If every place in the if every gas station in the country had pepperoni rolls, yeah, it might not be such be a bad thing. With you,
0: Nebraska. Montana, these places could
1: use a little West Virginia Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, bro. Let's turn a fucking let's turn America into West Virginia, unironically, bitch. Um. Well, yeah. uh, according to right at like Fayetteville, West Virginia, has got the best-looking <laughs> trim
0: in the nation.
1: So you could do ha- worse. They had the dreadlocks, and they like to climb on. Uh, How do you say? The, uh,
0: is, uh, the armpit hair is the- like pale <laughs> and
1: not cents 19th <laughs> century. They listen to bands that the song lengths are 18 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rising Appalachia. Yeah,
0: well, some of the favorite bands are uh, uh <laughs> Rising Appalachia.
1: Yeah, so, okay, uh, there was a few things. Okay, there was a few things I had planned for this episode. Let me piss real quick. And I totally I've been forgot. They're
0: in the whole balls. I yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, why don't you go ahead and piss? And um, why I'll pull. Don't you go ahead and piss? I'll, I'm going to pull up this article. That I wanted to read on the show that was an update on an older Trillbillies episode. And, but before that, let me go to my Twitter page. The Achilles Hill of Biden's Climate Plan Coal Miners. <laughs> the new york times the achilles heel of biden's climate plan is coal miners unions representing other workers affected by climate legislation have struck deals but opposition from coal miners has persisted complicating the path to enactment <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that that all-powerful
0: uh, political block in american society uh the coal miner of which there are about 16 of seriously and they're all dying (laughs)
1: literally both literally and
0: figuratively
1: well the big news that on the day that we're recording this is like the white house okay so we're recording this on tuesday the 21st and the white house is about to make some kind of statement today but they did release a statement on their website the other day so I, i here i quote we are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done this right thing. You've done the right thing, and we will get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, <laughs> your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. <laughs> Just like, like it's fucking taking a decidedly <laughs> macabre tone, dude. It's crazy. Like, it's like, did no one think that like children? Like, most children are still unvaccinated. Like, no one. Listen here, you little selfish (laughs) five-year-old piece of shit. You're the
0: reason your family's going to die this winter. Uh, There's going to be kids traumatized that they, like, caused their, like, family members to die or something.
1: Dude.
0: I mean, it's just astounding. (laughs) I'm a little disease factor.
1: It's, like, been pointed out, but it's completely astounding how... Unprepared and how just how much they don't they just don't give a shit. They just don't give a shit. They 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 were they they, it is a classic example of hubris. They thought everything would be fine. Oh, yeah. Now that things aren't fine and they don't have a plan and they have nothing. Here's the thing.
0: Here's the thing about that is how do you release a statement like that? I mean, this is like just I mean, like the continuing pattern of shifting uh, responsibility on the person, like individual versus like. And, like, government punting, for example. But how do you release a statement like that on the same day that you say you were blindsided by? Like, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden said, oh, we were blindsided. Like, that's been sort of their word of the week. They were blindsided Blindsided. by Joe Manchin. They were blindsided by Omicron. We were blindsided by Delta. (laughs) You're right. Like, the number one word you don't want to hear leadership say is blindsided. Blindsided. (laughs) Yeah. Don't like that. And of course, George Bush played, probably played that on 9-11, even though we know that wasn't blindsided. Right. Dude, that is so funny. You're so fucking right. Yeah. Well, we didn't see this come. We didn't. And also this sort of, like, teacher's pet bullshit of everybody that got back, va- Oh, you did the right thing. <laughs> you did the right thing, and you're, like, riding in the money. And to all you unvaccinated pieces of shit, including those under age five, <laughs> get well, fucked. get fucked. You're going to die this Christmas. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, it's all And I'm bad. not saying, listen, I mean, I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that, you know, again, like, the shit about the vaccine being unsafe is kind of an op in a way, or whatever. Like, I don't, you know, but still, it's like, none of that is helpful, regardless of where you land on that question.
1: Right. Jesus Christ, bro. It is so bad. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> the blinds, the blinds. Yeah, all you little unvaccinated five You're
0: just gonna unwrap your gifts, and the grim reaper's gonna <laughs> pop go. out and just like <laughs> cut your whole family's heads off. <laughs> Man.
1: Damn, dude, it's so bad. I mean, it really does. Um, Cause like the context of all this, like the ambient background noise, is like everybody I know. Like I had a good buddy who lives in New York City just texted me the other day, like, dude, everybody I know has fucking Omicron, vaxxed or not. It's fucking, this thing doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. yeah.
0: And the thing is, you can't keep up with it with the testing. Like we were talking about earlier, right. it's like the, the PCR is like the window to get your results back is too long. And then the rapid tests, you know, are
1: varying levels of accurate, you know? And, uh. Well, it got me thinking, dude, like, it does seem to be the case that if you're vexed, you still won't experience omicron. you won't experience like the worst aspects and side effects of it. yeah, it seems like that's the case, but it did get me thinking that like, can you imagine how completely deranged and unhinged the libs will be if there is a variant that is completely evasive like is completely what, able what to if like
0: if omicron is like what we think it is, right, and it's like? spreads easily but is fairly mild in terms of what disease it causes What's how far away are we from the one that's like spreads rapid and is deadly
1: right and and is able yeah to like get through the defenses of the fucking vaccine yeah i mean we've watched the politics of this thing just whiplash back and forth so rapidly over the course of the last almost two years now
0: well you said something last night that i thought was interesting and i i didn't follow up on it but i want i meant to because i was leaving but you said that we're like on the brink of what could be like a new turn in the culture war re that stuff if
1: that happens because that will do that will effectively what it means is that the libs will have a choice they can either dig in which is probably what they'll do they'll just like dig in and say no vaccines are still the best way to go or they will actually do the bombing post offices things because they will be so disillusioned because like th- this this to me is like their rubicron rubic <laughs> cross it, that oh, <laughs> damn it that, that thing they're gonna cross <laughs> <laughs>
0: The precipice. I'm <laughs> surprised that the
1: White House hasn't used that yet. We've crossed the rubicon. The rubicon,
0: man. <laughs> man, we've, like, much like that episode of Happy Days where Fonzie yeah. jumps the shark. We've, well, that's where we're that's at.
1: That's where right. we're at. Like, that's the thing. Like they, It is interesting to sort of game that out. Like, can you imagine a variant that is able to evade the vaccines and there's breakthrough cases that result in just as many deaths as the and in the in the unvaccinated. Like, what that would do to the liberal psyche. We did the right thing, though, but, we, but we're yeah. still
0: dying in the same numbers as whatever. Well, you see this. And that, I I don't want to prognosticate that or speak that into existence, you know, but, like, and that is something that, if we're talking about a leadership that claims they were blindsided by Omicron, we yeah. probably
1: need to be, like, preparing for that or thinking about that. I mean, it's... um. It's 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 pretty fucking crazy. It does seem like in the last couple of days, I have seen more variations on the whole like getting, uh, not getting vaccinated is not a moral failing. Like your health isn't a moral failing, and it's like, damn, that's weren't, a weren't there big some...
0: tone reversal from three to exactly. six months ago? Exactly, weren't
1: <laughs> there some of us saying that uh, several months ago? And like the where the debate was at was so stultifying and rigid that if you even floated that. You were like sympathizing with the unvaccinated.
0: You were, like, were crying. Exactly. you were, yeah, you were huh, no in, better than somebody interesting.
1: peddling. Interesting how that works. It's yeah. just, it's just, it's just like my point is, is like the way this, like the sausage gets made of the sort of ideology, like it gets rapidly churned out so quickly now that like there could be a complete reversal of roles if if it turns out that the vac- there is a variant that the vaccine can't address. Then, like, maybe, what if the Libs suddenly become the anti-vaxxers? And then, just, and then it just switches back around. Well, I mean, you saw that happen in, in like, the sort of uh, health sphere.
0: You know what I mean? Like, the people that were, like... It's not, like, we're conservatives that are, like, chronic Lyme people or anything like that. Right, and, yeah. again, I'm not, again, before we go down that <laughs> stir that hive, I'm not making a judgment call or rejecting your experience at all. All I'm saying is that people that you know, like, suffer from what they believe is a chronic Lyme infection don't tend to be, like, Cuban on nuts. They right. tend to be liberals. You right, know what right, I mean? It's right, right. same thing with, like, uh, um... There, there is just as much sort of, like, liberal-leaning sentiment in the anti-vax world, I think, that doesn't get talked about. And it is among, like, sort of the fitness influencers and stuff like that. Right. That world. It's just a different block. But it's not, it's not 100% just, like, nutty conservative people.
1: Well, it did make me wonder that if, if we have a surge of deaths that the vaccine can't even grapple with, if, if that becomes the case— um, like, how the politics of this, again, might shift. Because, like, you could maybe see a situation where two years down the line, everybody's blaming Joe Biden for how bad this got. Yeah. And, like, the crimes of, like, the Trump inaction and everything, which, by comparison, actually don't even look that bad. I mean, it's just like, that's how fucked up it is. Well, here's it's like when thing. you're here's looking at thing. Trump's you reaction this? To this. I don't
0: know if you noticed this, but in the press slightly even the papers record and all that kind of stuff. There is this like attempt to tie this back to Trump because there's been a never-ending like stream of stories about the Trump administration's failures on COVID-19. Right. Because Biden's record by the day looks
1: worse and worse and worse and worse on this. Dude, it's fucking crazy. Um it what what's so astounding to me about this is that for all of Trump's you know um and let's, mistakes let's not are, let him off the no hook for no like, no no drink bleach this is like i mean stuff. the reason it's so bad and embedded so deeply in the population is pretty much his fault right right, right. but right. they never had hubris it seemed to me fauci did because fauci is completely self-centered and obsessed with himself very obviously right, right, right. but it seems to me like in the aggregate they weren't operating from a position of hubris they were more operating from a position of like we don't really know what the fuck's going on because they're idiots. They're all just fucking con oh, artists yeah. and scam artists and everything. But like the Biden people had hubris on their side. They've had it since fucking June, July, whenever Joe told us to fucking go barbecue and stuff.
0: Listen, if you don't, yeah, that's like, yeah, yeah. And yeah.
1: that is so deadly. Yeah. It's so fucking, it's just like.
0: Because um, any normal person's not going to drink bleach, right? Right. Even if the president of the United States says, hey, Like, have we tried that? You know, whatever. (laughs) Injecting bleach. Whatever it was, he was like floating there. Christ. But like, if the president says you can take your mask off and go enjoy the barbecue. People are going to do that, yeah. More people are going to do that than inject bleach. You know what I mean? I feel like most people understand.
1: I saw, dude. It's hubris versus just insanity. It's (laughs) weird. I I saw like the Philadelphia like um, health department like scolding people on twitter for um like they basically made a statement like don't gather with your families this holidays and people were like well why why the fuck do we have to go to work but we can't gather with our families like and they were like um erm um, well yeah, uh, 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 like th- it was like they were Scolding people for pointing that out, like if you look at the numbers, the the surges are actually at large gatherings, of fam- stuff like that. Like people uh, yeah. are getting, like like, like people like are. If you go to
0: work, you're immune from it. Exactly, there's some, some magical force of whatever, but when you get it at, but like usually it happens at home. And also the other thing is, there's no fucking way to tell where
1: somebody got it from. I know. At you this know what point, I mean? there's not. Yeah, early on, when it wasn't completely profligate like when it was just completely everywhere right but now yeah how the fuck can you contact trace when everybody's fucking got it
0: right yeah yeah at a certain point it's like yeah you, know, you can't really account for like when and where and all that stuff they were except com- herman Kane. <laughs> <laughs> herman Cain definitely got it from the <laughs> trump route <rally. laughs> yeah yeah you, yeah. you can draw a straight
1: line to where herman Kane yeah. got it from god rest his soul Fact of the matter is, the libs were completely hubristic. They were completely assured of themselves. They had no fucking plan. Kamala Harris is telling the truth when they said they didn't see this coming, in the sense that like they didn't want to believe that it was going to get bad again. No, because this this is,
0: was pull and pray, but
1: COVID edition. <laughs> <laughs> really, it
0: really it's was. Like, oh, let's just hope for the best, and that's somehow going to wield this in the middle.
1: And okay. and that to
0: me is criminal. Yeah. Like, that is fucking... That's malpractice, <laughs> <laughs> my friends, if you want to talk malpractice.
1: Dude, yeah, that's criminal. That's like Nero fiddling while Rome burns. That's yeah. like, pick any uh, example of an executive uh, basically standing by. If you want to be perfectly
0: honest, I think, I mean, there's probably a number of reasons why Joe Biden's not made any of his campaign promises. But I think in part, part of the, like, well... Not only are we not going to, like, pay off any of your student loans, but we're also going to restart payments starting in January right in the face of what's going to be probably the worst outbreak, hopefully with more mild disease that we're talking about, but what's going to be the worst outbreak since that first outbreak that happened in New York that killed so many people that they had, like, bodies on a boat in the harbor and shit like that. Uh, We're going to restart the student loan payments and all that stuff. I think part of that is, like, if they could just – ratchet up the austerity and the misery it kind of dwarfs the covid problem in some ways <laughs> Jesus,
1: because they try they,
0: i mean they tried like you know yeah well they didn't really try prosperity or anything like that to try to overshadow it or anything like that but it's right. like
1: it's like if someone it's like if you have a bullet wound in your left hand and someone puts two bullet holes in your right that hand suddenly looks not yeah. as bad <laughs>
0: They're like, see, yeah. we helped, right? And that's and here the sick thing about that is is I'm half joking, but that's like a charitable reading of why they're doing that. Because it makes no sense. It's it very ex- exceedingly unpopular. Most of these student loan services are like bona fide like pyramid type schemes. Not pyramid schemes, that's not the right word, but like there are schemes. Um junk financial products and all that stuff. No different from buying a used car. Uh, from, you know, some guy named Honest Bob or something. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Just the mean-spiritedness of all of it is off the charts. So, either they're out of touch or it is, like, a deliberate knife twist.
1: Right. I'd say, um, it's, uh, Yeah. It's hard. It's always hard to know. It seems like
0: it probably is just Joe Biden trying to earn that ing direct windbreaker that some guy gave him in eighty seven, <laughs> and it's like you know, I oh, owe you one. I'm gonna fuck over my whole generation I'm presiding over because like, you know, uh, Lloyd Blankfein is uh, a longtime friend.
1: Well, I think it's several things. It's like their number one priority is making sure that the that the left, like, the people on their left flank don't in any way get any traction. And so it's this constant game of triangulation with them. Because they are very out of touch, obviously. But they also, like, their main objective is to, like I've said before, the last thing they want on their hands is, like, an almost kind of like Latin American style mass movement, like yeah. mass popular leftist movements.
0: They they don't want that, and yet they're creating the conditions more and more by the day. You would think the hedge against that. Well, I know what it is. With people are in complete mis, in, in completely immiserated and have to work whatever job they got to work, and like these days, three and four of them to string together anything approaching uh, not even a dignified existence, but like a just making an existence like, maybe that is just as good as keeping everybody fat and happy for squash and
1: dissent. Well, they don't even have to really worry about it because until, like, the constitutional system has... Like, there's no way for there to be a vehicle for that sort of mass popular movement. So they actually... They're set. They don't have to fucking do shit. They can just keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, that's probably
0: more accurate. It's like... They understand there's no mechanisms in place to really challenge them in a big way, and like
1: they can they, just half-ass it.
0: Yeah, if the energy harnessed after George Floyd's murder didn't sort of do the trick, then they can outlast,
1: right? You know, which a, is b- a
0: bunch of pissed off, uh, right? You know, uh, people that owe a bunch of student loans.
1: Which is me. Mean, which means that it is entirely possible that the way. Some like something's got to give eventually, right? Yeah. Which so that means that it is entirely possible that the way in which it gives isn't a sort of mass organized movement like that. It is like the burning down, not just of a precinct this time. Fucking Congress or something is going to get burned down. Like if they're not fucking careful, I'm not saying this is not a threat. This is not actionable. I'm not saying I'm. Well, going I mean, it. but I'm just kind, saying it's, they
0: kind of. But they kind of showed their hand as to why that is because you know how like think how sensitive they are about January sixth. Yeah. Nobody, nobody on their side died. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it was Marina Oswald had a good tweet about this. I think. I saw, let me find that real quick because I saw that and I was like, yeah, that's an. Exceedingly good point.
1: Uh Damn. The Tudors the tutors is hidden Your yeah, boy's man. got that salt drows uh that sodium drows. Hangover.
0: Yeah. It's sort where of like my heart's kind of like irregularly beating and like my stomach is Tudors. You know damn bitch well the tweet was the coolest part about january 6th is that nobody important was heard or anything <laughs> so they have to say well something really bad almost happened like if on 9 11 the planes missed the twin towers and just landed safely at LaGuardia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's but you know they're they're like that's a national holiday like a day of remembrance dude now. that's crazy and i'm going to take that day off and i'm going to like celebrate the fact Nancy Pelosi was at least scared for a little bit.
1: It's a national holiday? Yeah. How the fuck are conservatives gonna celebrate that? Or do are they celebrate it like I think they're just like yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, because they don't want to implicate it. Like at one guy they're like throwing the
1: book at right now. They like coordinated with like the people. Hey yeah, yeah dude I can't keep up. This is why I, this is why I told you earlier today I hit talking about politics and I can't keep up with it anymore. It's like it moves so fast and it's so incomprehensible. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean I'm not saying that I don't have anything to do with what's going on I'm just saying that like in this cometariat world part of the game is like being able to see like what's coming down the pike and there's no way to know yeah um yeah. cuz any at any moment we've seen we've seen everything flip-flop and turn upside down at a moment's notice mm. at several different junctures yeah and so it's it's just um you're basically flying blind yeah
0: yeah, well, <laughs> last week it was, like, I feel like there's a... You said something to me the other day. You said, like, you know, in the same way that, like, if me and you are talking about, like, underwear, then, like, we'll get on Instagram in a second, and there'll be an ad for, like, men's underwear. Like right. Like, now, if we talk about something, somebody will have a tweet about it. It's, like, almost like it's tweets are, like, sponsored content. Or yeah, yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Well, last week, what was it? The one thing we were mad about was, like, that uh, TV writer that said that... I, see, I can't even remember. It's about the oh Kentucky, and the tornadoes. Yes, right? it right, was like oh, right. sorry Kentucky, you didn't you voted for you didn't vote for <laughs> Sergeant Colonel Amy McGrath, so go to hell, yeah. whatever. Well, this week it was. Uh, hold on one second. Let's bring it up here. I, oh, she's getting quote tweeted out of. She I think she deleted her tweet. Or wait, or is this a different tweet? No, I'm, just, I'm talking about the Bat Midler tweet. The Bette Midler tweet. Oh, yeah, she deleted it. No, she didn't. <laughs> so, this week's contestant, and what what should we call that? <laughs> like, Stephen King, Stephen King during the Texas ice out was like, he was kind of like, we, I mean, we
1: should almost do like Donkey of the Week or something.
0: Yeah, because I hate wasting too much time on these people, but like, if it's
1: Appalachian-centric, I feel like we have, we're duty-bound. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, it's amusing to me at this point. I used to find it offensive, but at this point, it's amusing. This point, it's just like it's just funny how predictable it is. You're right. It's
0: yes, it's right. Uh, so, Bette Miller tweeted for those not like last night. What hashtag Joe Manchin comma who represents a population smaller than Brooklyn, has done to the rest of America who wants to move forward, not backward, like his state is horrible. <laughs> he sold us out. He wants us all to just be like his state, West Virginia. Poor, illiterate, and strung the
1: fuck out. <laughs> Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin's the plug. He wants us all doped up. Yeah, he <laughs> wants us all
0: doped up, baby. Also, Matt Midler looks like she's no stranger to a glass of Pinot and a Xanax on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. So she ain't got no room to call anybody. Yeah, strung out. But it is like it is just like funny and i think indicative of this idea that like i was telling you about earlier it's like like nobody's making like bruce springsteen-esque art anymore where it's like lifting up the working man and his plot and his stories it's like capitulate to a celebrity culture where you know now everybody wants to be related well to the celebrities like that's why i'm trying to you know get ten thousand, hundred thousand instagram followers or right Whatever the case
1: is it's true. We're all aspirational to them now. It's not like they were Aspirational to us. It's not like Bruce Springsteen (laughs) wanted to go back to the factories I don't even think he probably worked. Maybe his dad did or something, but I think the point was it was just from a uh, a, a cost-benefit thing. Like, who's in my audience? Working people. Right. Who's going to buy my records? Working, Working people. people. So I'll just Talk write about, about things. their lives. Yeah, their th- things that are relevant to their lives. Yeah. But, like, that's not...
0: Now they expect us to, like, sort of, like, yeah. be aspirational to their existence.
1: And I don't know if that's because they're out of touch or if it's because, like, ret- record executives have just determined that, like, that's too... Nobody Charged. wants to hear
0: about mill workers anymore but everybody wants to be like, you know, right, uh, you know, wants to know what it's like to have a a pool house in
1: Beverly Hills or whatever. I guess that's what it is, right? It's it's flipped. Yeah. It's like culture has stopped trying to relate to us and has has just become aspirational and that's I guess why the main mode modality of like films is the Marvel stuff. Because it is aspirational. It's like, what if you could just be a superhero and conquer all your problems? Man, your
0: life sucks. But what if you could shoot spider webs out of <laughs> your wrists and like swing around <laughs> big buildings, pretty tight? No. Jesus Christ, that's bleak. Yeah, but oh my God, that's, that's pretty like, bleak, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, I yeah, I don't even know what to even say about stuff like that anymore. It doesn't even phase me like it used to.
1: No, I mean, it just is what it is. Um, I don't know i'm trying to do my part i'm doing my part i got Uh, vaccinated i'm doing my part well i mean like (laughs) culture wise i'm I'm trying to create some culture i guess
0: yeah it's i here's what i mean here's the thing too about like she's like she's been quote tweeted five thousand two hundred and thirty times and it's like man like my instinct now is almost just to ignore these people yeah, you know what I mean. It's like I. It's like I, you don't want to like J D Vance affect them. You know what I mean? We're like, this guy probably would just went quietly in the night if he, we didn't if the outrage industry that we know we're on the hook
1: for. Well, too. the thing is, man. The thing is, um, w- there's a lot of things that doomed us in this pandemic that just were you know think we're gonna make sure that we were just completely uh. fucked. But the thing that's most maddening to me is the personal responsibility thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's like when you talk about the Vax stuff and when you talk about, like, these people who say this shit about, like, people who are killed in tornadoes and stuff, it is inconceivable to them that these people would be in a situation not of their own choosing. Right. like. It, that that's a fine line to walk though because at the same time you don't want it to take away anybody's agency but you have to realize that people have no power over their circumstances, circumstances. in a material way. Yeah, right, right, There's right. no, like me
0: and you... And only by sheer confluence of circumstances is Bette Miller a rich, famous person. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right.
1: So it's like even what they do but in terms of not getting vaccinated or not voting for the people that they don't like, even that's a drop in the bucket. It has no real... Um, like, maybe it gets thrown into the centrifuge with all these other factors and stuff. But to me, it's it's a trite point. But, yeah, like, um, you know, who is uh, holding the gears of the levers of power in society? And,
0: and, and- the, the outrage about Joe Manchin is so fucking laughable, too. Because if Joe Biden's going to say he was blindsided by Manchin's uh, crawfishing on this, it's like... Motherfucker, you can't call somebody out for, like, stabbing somebody in the back when you just made all these goddamn promises and didn't keep a fucking one of
1: them. I know. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like
0: you have no moral high ground. Yeah. Like, you're both swine. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Just... Yeah.
1: If only there was someone who could call that out. Yeah. Oh, well.
0: Oh, well. <laughs> in any case.
1: This is, just, this is what it is.
0: Yeah, I, I was reading this Walker Percy book, or here's a a strange land, and when you talk about no power of material circumstance, he writes about when he moved to outside New Orleans, and he was like, I've chosen to do something that most people in Louisiana don't, and that is live in Louisiana. And it's not because Louisiana's a bad place or anything like that, it's just people are born into the circumstances they're born into is the point he's trying to make. And right. like most people don't have the upward mobility to escape that. And like in Bette Midler's mind, the up, like your chance at upward mobility is happens at the ballot box. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if you have just voted a certain way and it's like, well, we've done that before. Right. It's like the David Axelrod tweet this week. Did you see that? No. Where he was like, when we were trying to pass the ACA, we had huge majority in the house <laughs> and we still had a hard time getting that through. And it's like, yeah, it's like, you're kind of giving away the game there. Uh, you cannot outvote the will of the of the elite classes, right? You just can't. You can't do it. You have to take it from them, right? But you know, yeah, how and what that looks like, I think, is an open question. So,
1: yeah. Well, we're at an hour and thirty-eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> almost so, feels like we should carry on keep for going tw- for two hours for 20 and just put it out of double if you want i gotta pee um i gotta take a quick break we're gonna Go do it. that Go so. for
0: i want to pause and take my drugs real quick <laughs>
1: All right, so the um, I, there was something else I wanted to cover. Um, this is an update on an older episode. Many of you rem- will remember uh, a classic, Premium 169, about Bishop Sycamore. Did you, hear, did you see this big thing in the oh, New York I'm Times? I have not. So the New York Times wrote a big thing about Bishop Sycamore, um, and it's there's not a whole lot of like new stuff in there, like stuff that we didn't already know from previous things written about it that we found while we were recording that one and sort of researching it. But some things were um, pretty interesting. Um, like, for example, at one point, like all of the... So for those of you who don't have Patreon, I think it's still on the Patreon, but if you want to go back and listen to it. Um, Premium 169, this, this team, this school... In Ohio, called like Bishop Sycamore. S- they
0: scare quotes around school.
1: They were a fake school who filled a football team, and they scammed these young football players into thinking that if they came and played for their team, they would have a better shot at like getting um, to college to college, yeah. get college scholarships and everything. <laughs> And, yeah, they scammed them. It wasn't a real school. There wasn't real premises. Um, At one point, like it says right here, for a while, the players were wedged into a coach's girlfriend's house with one shower for 40 boys. A coach's girlfriend's house. Like, it's it's just, like, it's stuff like that. Like, they they got a lot of these guys to, like, leave the Bronx and move to Ohio for this, like, fake sleep Sleep on a the floor of some guy's girlfriend's house yep but the way they got caught is like
0: (laughs) other than they were going to school at the public library and doing nothing
1: (laughs) other than that they they had this big football game on espn against img academy which they got their like Shit kicked in. Yeah. They lost like by fifty eight to zero. People were like, How did this team get on here? The commentators were like, This isn't a fair game. Someone needs to look into like, this. This is embarrassing. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so people started looking into it. It brought a lot of unwanted attention on them. And um so like we talked about the the coach who was also like the Academy's founder. Or maybe he was just the Academy's founder. I don't think he was the coach. We differentiated between the coach and the Academy's founder in that episode. But check this out, dude. In an interview, Roy Johnson, the Academy's founder, said he could not discuss much because he had sold the rights to the story to Michael Strahan, the television host and former football star who was producing an HBO documentary. Dude, so this guy's getting paid twice. He's getting paid twice. He never-
0: scammed all these young men, disproportionately young black <laughs> yes. men from different places all over the country and now move. he
1: gets to license the rights to the story. And now he gets
0: to license the rights to the story. This, I mean, this is a this is America, though, dog. It's like this is it's like it's like the Joe Dirt thing where you stick the firecracker up the bullfrog's ass. You're the veterinarian and the firework salesman, you get paid twice. Yeah. It's like fucking yeah, oh my God, that's
1: obscene, dude. It's pretty crazy. Um, but what's you know, I can't say
0: much because well, I've sold the story that I have engineered <laughs> myself.
1: What's even funnier is because on that episode we joked about like us getting the licensing rights for that. Oh, really? We were, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we were talking about like Straighthead beat us to it. Strahan beat us to it, dog. Damn. It's really sad though. One of these guys wound up in a psychiatric ward. Um, you know, it's uh. It's just interesting. Um some of this stuff is interesting though. So like IMG Academy, which is like the big name in this world, right? One of the
0: big like sort of um I don't know if you'd call a prep school or whatever, but they yeah, they uh it's in Bradenton, Florida, and I know they're they they produce a lot of athletes, you know, high talent athletes, but their Tennis Academy produced like in the 80s produced like Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi and Jim Courier all these like tennis champions. Uh-huh. Uh.
1: Well, did you know I didn't know this. They're owned by Endeavor Group Holdings. Which is a holding company for talent and media agencies.
0: Yeah, because in IMG a modeling agency too. I guess so. I Can didn't. I, I how, guess I didn't put two and two together. They
1: were the same entity. How dark is this? Like this is all completely above board. Like what Bishop Sycamore did is they just got sloppy. But other people do this stuff. Like they jump through the proper hoops and go through the proper channels. But what they're to, doing isn't really substantively any different. No the thing about Bishop Sycamore is they just didn't provide the athletes with anything yeah, like with food or lodging or anything like that. But all these other fucking schools and companies do the same shit. And it's crazy when you've got, when you've got a media talent company owning like a school, a school ostensibly like a, uh, for yeah. Cause IMG international management group it's a global sports, events, and talented. It's it's kind of just like a farm system. farm for, like, young, beautiful, and or talented
0: people. That's fucking nuts. To like, for them to, like, yeah. And, like, I guess the devil's bargain is, like, we will set you on that path to whatever it is you want to do, play sports, be a model, be an actor, whatever, whatever.
1: That is crazy. If you just come here and, you know. It's so wild. Um. Well, I mean, anyways, that... There, like I said, there wasn't really much more in the um, New York Times article that we didn't already know. But I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Um, especially because Ron Johnson is getting paid twice. Oh, my God, dude. That's <laughs> depressing. I, I guess that's what that means. I mean, you could
0: go, like, basically fuck with these young men's lives and then just go get paid by selling their rights to make an HBO thing about it. Like, why are they his rights to sell?
1: I don't know. You know? I guess if someone like why do you have to go get the rights from him to do that? I guess if someone's making something about your
0: life, I guess... I you, think if I was hand I'd probably try to go for one of the kids, like the kid that ended up in the Cycle So board. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's the thing. Let him tell his let story. Tell it through right, his lens. Right,
1: right, Exactly. Yeah. hand. What's the Hand on Kelly Ripa's show? hand's a fucking... I
0: don't have any... Stray hands just, you know, bread dough.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: anyway, it's got a, you know, daytime talk show killer. I don't know.
1: It's whatever. Right. Well anyways, Bishop Sycamore. I thought that you would like uh, that little update. Um here here's uh here's an update though on what's going on in the world. The expert ham sniffer of Spain smells eight hundred hams a day during the Christmas season. He is strained, he said, at the limit of human possibility.
0: <laughs> Man, I understand that plot now. Imagine if that guy gets COVID-19 and loses a sense of smell. Oh, He's out of business. fuck. Can't sniff the hams. Where's his
1: PPP loan? Cannot sniff the hams. Damn, dog. Um,
0: perfumers? We've not thought about perfumers during this time. Yeah. Or the guy that, you know. Tested Fidel Castro's meals For poison firm
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anybody let's thought about that guy Let's bring back the old professions I wonder if the wine house Has a poison test taste tester I
0: wonder And also like How do they do that without You know what I mean Dying <laughs> <laughs> There right. used to be some professions And not that long ago I'm thinking about Kamikaze pilot during <laughs> World War II <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean Like Didn't really have a whole lot of upside to him, dude. I want to be a Kamikaze pilot. There's like, isn't there like guys that are still alive
1: that were Kamikaze pilots? I think so. Yeah, like, (laughs) like, are you just immortalized as a coward? (laughs) Depends on if your side wins or loses, and who gets to write the history afterwards. I guess because you could easily become a hero. Yeah, like that guy, he was a pussy. Yeah, like, and that's said with in an aggrandizing way, like. This is the greatest pussy of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the most glorious pussy, the most glorious coward <laughs> ever. Well, did he
0: have a lot of metal? <laughs> well, no, but he lived to tell the tale.
1: Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else going on in the world? This is all fucked up now because like we recorded three different episodes, all of which are in the most fucked up order. Yeah. And I'm freaking out because I don't even know. I'm worried that I, like, recorded over last night. The, no, the one we just did, the good one.
0: Oh, no, I'd say, because no, you just.
1: I hope not. I fucking hope not. Um. But I don't know. What else is going on, bro? Shit, man.
0: I'm just stealing myself for the holiday season, you know? Um. It's, uh. It's tricky. It's, uh.
1: What do you do during all this, you know? Well, I've seen several omens in the past few weeks. Um, Coming back from Columbus a few weeks ago, I saw a dead bobcat on the side of the road. Yeah, any
0: any sort... I know we have a lot of STEM people in our listenership, but I'm sure we have plenty of occultists, too, so if you could make sense of any of this, much appreciated.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty fucked up, like freshly dead. And then... The other day, I saw a dead heron, like, in the road. Well, it was off to the side, but, like, that's...
0: You don't see, to me, herons crossing the street. Nobody says, why did the blue heron cross the street? (laughs) You know? Very Very weird circumstance.
1: Famously not the subject of many jokes. Right, right so i don't know man just
0: majestic river birds that you just observe from a distance you know picking minnows out of a
1: stream with its long beak yeah not one that really gets up on the road it felt ominous is all i'm saying yeah it felt pretty ominous so i don't know man (laughs) is that why you had
0: such a visceral reaction to my neighbor banging the gong banging the the gong yes wait wait what yeah (laughs) is is that the the fourth vial in the book of revelation being poured out (laughs) yeah
1: <laughs> That's why I was so freaked out about the tarot card, the catastrophic tarot card, mm-hmm. and why the other night I was having a meltdown. I was like, "It's all happening." <laughs> and you know? also, you're getting ready
0: to go to the airport. And I bet
1: you're getting ready to go to the fucking airport, <laughs> dude. See, this is how I live my life. Constantly. Why don't live you my just throw a
0: monkey wrench in this? I don't know. Maybe the plan knows that. I was like, "Why don't you just bump your flight to later today, if possible?" But maybe then. Uh Whoever the grand joker is behind all this just says, "Well, I thought you'd do that, <laughs> Mister." <Rune." laughs>
1: and you go careening off the. Yeah. 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 You got. You just got to. You got to play them as they lay, though. That I. I don't know. Life would be so much easier for me if I could just learn, like. They need a Duolingo for, like, idioms and expressions. You know what I mean? Like, you could learn witty, just witticisms and yeah. sayings and stuff. Yeah. that's what I'm, You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. need that. They need an app for that.
0: Uh, also, just to, I mean, since it's the holidays, let's get to the bottom of this. Do you know what Yuletide, Yule Log, and or Figgy Pudding are? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I've been singing about figgy pudding for years. I've never had it. I don't know what it's about.
1: The Yule stuff is a question for Tanya. Isn't she into Yule and shit?
0: Isn't Yule the ancient pagan version?
1: Yule. Yule log. Yule is a festival historically observed by the Germanic peoples.
0: Oh, interesting, Tanya. You're German now.
1: Scholars have connected the original celebrations of Yule to the wild hunt, the god Odin, and the pagan Anglo-Saxon... Modrenit. Later departing from its pagan roots, Yule underwent Christianized reformulation, resulting in the term Christmastide. Huh.
0: So Christ's birthday is not actually December 25th.
1: Actually, yeah. Today is the first day of Yule. Tuesday, December 21st. First day of Yule. Bitch. Bitch. Huh. Yeah, dog. Who's this fucking Modrenit? Night of the Mothers was an event held at what is now Christmas Eve by the Anglo-Saxon pagans. The event is attested by the medieval English historian Bede, or Bede <laughs> in his 8th century Latin work, De Temporum Ratione. It has been suggested that sacrifices may have occurred during this event. Whoa! Scholars have proposed connections between the Anglo-Saxon modernet and events attested among other Germanic peoples. Dog, the fucking pagans were savages. It's crazy. That's <laughs> yeah, funny about that. Is
0: everybody in witchcraft's like, you know, Christianity is so brutal, like with the <laughs> like <laughs> crucifixion of Christ and whatever. It's like, hey, you, you know what our bog trotting Celtic forebears were doing? Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they did love a good bog. Oh, yeah. Damn. Well, um, good, good. Um, happy Yule to all of you out there. Make sure you go out and find a good Yule hog, or log, or whatever. And <laughs> yes, do both of them. <laughs> Put it in your ass or your butt. Start a fire. Yeah, start a fire. Whatever. Whatever you need to do. Um, thanks for listening. If you would like, I have no idea what we're gonna do with all these episodes, but if you would like to see what happens, go to Patreon and support us p a t r e o n dot com slash Trillbilly workers party. We'll be there, cranking out the hits, um, and we wish you all a merry Christmas. I'm about to get on an airplane, well, which is wish. probably ill advised
0: <laughs> given the pool of the card. But
1: good God, um, uh, but um, you know we've crossed the Rubicon. So yeah. what are you going to do? No coming back from the Rubicon. Not from the Rubicon. That's right. Um all right well we'll talk to you later thanks for listening everybody bye bye